I just want to mention, hey, thanks, man. Um, while um, people were sharing, people, thank y'all for sharing your testimonies. Um, I just wanted to say we were using a lot of, um, are they called anacronyms, you know, letters for things. And I just wanted to point out that um, we're, we are doing disciple-making training. That's what DMM is, disciple-making movement training. We're doing disciple-making training. That's what we do on Wednesday nights here at Good News. And then uh, we, when somebody mentioned DBS, I think Grayson mentioned that, we're doing discovery Bible studies. So it's not some special cultish code we have going. <laughs> Just want to make that clear to everybody. You get quick to start using those kinds of things. And you, ah, anyway, <laughs> praise God. Well, I have some family news to share with you today. Um, not really good news in any way, but um, nevertheless, it's news. I want to share with all of you, some of you know already, but Kelly and Tanya Taylor, who longtime members of Good News, been here 20 plus years, um, their son passed away on Friday night. Um, their son, Brian, um, and he, it was a drug overdose. It was actually, he um, took some drugs. It's really, really horrific what is happening in the world around us. He took a drug thinking it was one thing and it had been laced with something else which basically poisoned him and killed him. And um, they got word really early on um, Saturday morning. And um, people said, how are they? Well, they need our prayers. That's how they are. And um, they're finding comfort and hope from the Lord. But you can imagine that's not something you expect to wake up to or get a call about. But let's just take a moment and let's pray, if you will. Let's just join in prayer for them. Father, we come before you today. Hallelujah. Father, we're always thankful for heaven. But today, days like this, we are so reminded of how critical it is that eternities be settled. And that people people call on the name of the Lord receive Jesus as their savior um, life here no matter how long we live it's just a very short time and none of us know when we actually are going to depart this is a premature departure this wasn't you calling anybody home this was the work of the enemy he the bible tells us he's out to steal kill and destroy and in weak moments he he can steal and kill and destroy but father even at a time like that there is the great safety net that we call heaven that when we step out of this world if we know you as our lord and savior we we we're met with the arms of a loving savior and i thank you father for that i thank you for that assurance of salvation that the family has but father meanwhile here on earth there are emotions there's a loss there's a sense of uh of great loss and there's a lot of questions and a lot of what ifs and and shoulda woulda couldas and all of those things and father i pray right now that all of that be swallowed up in the comfort of the holy spirit we don't necessarily have any answers that are going to bring you know remove pain father you are the one who removes pain you are the healer of our souls you are the one who takes broken hearts and somehow another mends them back together you you are a god who brings comfort in the midst of incredible pain in fact you said and call yourself the holy spirit you said he is the comforter and we just thank you today for the comfort of the holy spirit coming upon kelly and tanya
um, Brian's sister Misty, his brother Jeremy, Casey, the whole family, his children. Father, I just thank you for comfort coming upon them. And it's a supernatural comfort that you have to offer. It's a peace that we don't understand. It's not, it's not something that the world gives. It's something that comes from you and your presence and your abiding presence upon us. And Father, we, we, most of us have experienced that at one point or another. But Father, I pray that that would be a continuous, a continuous experience for Kelly and Tanya and their family, that there would be a continual presence that sustains them and comforts them and keeps them, even as they make arrangements, even as they make some important decisions in these in today and in the next few hours. Father, I just thank you so much that they are not like those who have no hope, that they have a hope. Sure, they'd rather this didn't happen. No one would have wanted this to happen. But, but even in the midst of this, there is great hope. And I ask, Father, that you make that hope a reality to them where they are today. I pray that they'll be strengthened by your mighty power on the inside. And that strength would sustain them. That strength would sustain them and see this through this dark hour. And I, I, I pray, Father, I just remind you of all the times we've prayed with Tanya. And all the prayers that she's prayed for others. And all the seed they've sown into other people's lives. Father, I pray. Eddie talked about that. That there would be a harvest on the seeds that we've sown. I pray, Father, for a great harvest being flooded back to them. That others would be raised up to pray for them. That others would bring comfort to them in the same way that they've comforted so many other people over the years. That the, the good and kind deeds and works that you've worked through them. That those would come back and overwhelm their lives at this time and in this season. Hallelujah. We cling to you for you are our life. We thank you so much for for honoring your word today in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. You know, things like this remind me that we live in a war zone. And it's pretty easy to get caught up with things like holidays and celebrations and the good moments that we have in life or maybe some fun times. But y'all, Super Bowl or not, we live in a war zone. We do. We're living in hostile enemy territory. And sometimes you can like get lax and forget that's what's going on. And he's out. He goes about seeking whom he can devour and he's looking for people to devour he's looking for good christian people to devour i'm not saying that to try to scare you i'm just telling you you have to be vigilant the bible tells us to be vigilant to pray always with all kinds of prayer and supplication because the enemy is real and we're not just like coming over here trying to have a little pretty time so we can, you know, I'll say we went to church and, you know, I just, I saw that and I just, I really liked that dress you wore and it was so pretty and wasn't that a sweet song we sang? Y'all, this is life and death. It's real. And, you know, it's so interesting when people come to church and sometimes what they think or what they do, you know, well, I didn't really like that song. And, you know, I didn't, I didn't think that they, you know, what was Courtney doing with that lipstick? And, you know, and <laughs> the craziness that we have, y'all, this is life. And I didn't come over here today just to, you know, sing a few little songs and just have a little, you know, pat your hand. This is life. This is life. This is life. 
That's what we're talking about today. I want to share with you some things today. Let's turn to Deuteronomy chapter 30. Pastor Matt is not here with us today. He is in Minnesota. He went to visit his family. He hasn't been up there in about 14 months. He went to see his 86-year-old mother and his um, four siblings that live up there. And the reason he was growing his beard is because he was planning to go ice fishing. And so he never had a beard. And he thought, if I'm going to go ice fishing, I've got to protect my face in that Minnesota weather. And so he did. And the good news is, not only is he coming home, but he's shaving that beard. (laughs) Woo! This is life. (laughs) So anyway, he'll be back Tuesday. And uh, he did catch a fish, so all is well. Deuteronomy chapter 30. Yes, amen. Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 19. Today, I have given you the choice between life and death. Between blessings and cursings. Blessings and curses. Now, I call on heaven and earth to witness the choice you make. Oh, that you would choose life. Oh, that you would choose life. Oh, I understand what what the writer's saying here, that you would choose life. This is really writing the words of the Lord. I understand the heart of the Lord. Oh, that you would choose life. That you would choose life so that you and your descendants might live. How many of you today have have heard about choosing life? How many of you have heard about that God set before us life and death? I know we've talked about that many times. And I just, I want to read the next verse. Because the next verse tells us how to choose life. It's not just saying, I choose life. Amen. There's more to it than I choose life. Verse 20 tells us, you can make this choice by loving the Lord your God obeying him and committing yourself firmly to him this is the key to your life and if you love and obey the lord you will live long in the land the lord swore to give your ancestors abraham isaac and jacob often i've heard this verse rarely have i heard anyone say how to choose life but he tells us how to choose life You choose life, not by just going to church, not by just saying you're a Christian, not by, you know, all of these kinds of ideas sometimes that we have. But he tells us, you make this choice by loving the Lord your God, obeying him and committing yourself firmly to him. Hallelujah. That's how you choose life. Now let's go to Deuteronomy chapter six and let's get into what we're going to talk about today. Deuteronomy chapter 6, we're going to begin reading in verse 1. These are the, and I'm reading from the New Living, if you don't, if it isn't the same as yours, that's why. (laughs) These are the commands, the decrees, and regulations that the Lord your God commanded me to teach you. You must obey them in the land you are about to enter and occupy. And you and your children and grandchildren must fear the Lord your God as long as you live. If you obey all his decrees and and commands, you will enjoy a long life. Listen closely, Israel, and be careful to obey. Then all will go well with you. And you will have many children in the land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord, the God of your ancestors, promised you. Now, um, I'm going to stop there, and I just want to mention some things to you. The scripture, particularly like in Deuteronomy, you see this when God's making covenant with his people. 
uses this word obedience or obey a whole lot. We see it in the scripture. And um, the people of God in that time, they understood that there was really only one option for them if they were going to have a relationship with God. That was to obey him. And if you read the Old Testament and you, you see what happened in the history of Israel, what you see is when the people of God obeyed what God had told them to do, good things happened. There were blessings. Um, their, their enemies were defeated. There were times they didn't even have to do battle with the enemy. The enemy, there was one time the enemy came against them and the enemy turned on itself and defeated itself. It'd be like uh, this great force coming at you and suddenly chaos ensues and they all start beating each other up and shooting and firing on each other and defeat themselves and you didn't do anything. That's the kind of thing God did for his people when they lived obediently, when they walked with him. But yet we also see times where Israel was defeated, their land was taken, they were overrun, they were put out of their land, they lost everything that they had. There, were, there was a time they spent 400 years enslaved to the Egyptians. They had, they had some really tough things happen to them when they, wouldn't, when they weren't obedient to God, when they went away from God, when they put other things before him in their lives. They served other gods, they, they didn't seek him first when they weren't obedient so if you just read the old testament it doesn't take long to figure out obeying god is really for our benefit obeying god leads to good things in your life but somehow or another i think in our minds i think it's the deception of the enemy whenever we read words like obedience or you know a command from god we're like eh. Am I the only one? Like, you want, what do you want me to do? And, and, and the thought is, God doesn't want me to have fun. God's trying to take something from me. God is somehow or another trying to limit me and hold me back from something that I would enjoy. And that is a deception. You are deceived if you think obeying God is in any way going to keep you from something good. How many of y'all have a GPS? You know, how many of you have a phone? <laughs> how many of you ever use anything like Google Maps or you use, you know, the Apple Maps thing or Waze? Any of y'all ever use that? You know, this is how you fly down the road undetected by, you know, okay, we won't get into that. <laughs> In your disobedience to the laws of the land, you use these apps. Okay, but that's not the point. The point is, when you get one of these, you know, you, you program in where you're going and they start telling you which way to go, it's amazing how, how well we can just follow. It'll, whether you're using the voice command, you're actually looking at it, you can just drive down the road and whatever it says, you do. Am I the only one that does that? It gives you the voice command. I mean, it'll tell you, turn here and you turn and, and you go here. One time, um, our daughter Molly got married um, some years ago and they got married for whatever reason. They thought it was a great idea to get married and, and, and French speak in Canada. And so we drove like, you know, weeks up north. <laughs> it se seemed like it, this place is, and we, and we drove and we had, and we rented this old Victorian house, bed and breakfast place, lived there for a week with <laughs> her soon to be in-laws 
this, what, how was that ever a plan to go somewhere and then we're all in this house together and then for a week and then they get married and then they leave us and we're left there with Molly's new in-laws and then we eventually get in the car and for weeks we drive back. And so on the way back, I'm following, you know, the GPS and trying to get us back and, we, and we're supposed to spend the night in Scranton, Pennsylvania. Have any of y'all ever spent the night in Scranton, Pennsylvania? Yeah, I've heard of it because I've watched The Office, okay, um, which is not life, by the way. Okay, um, but there we are, and uh, we're in Scranton, PA. Didn't look at all like what I thought it was. It's very hilly there. I didn't know that. The pictures, you know, the film footage from The Office doesn't show the hills. So anyway, that's how I knew about it. And um, anyway, so there we are, and it's, it's, it's telling me, and it's, I, mean, I got I to gotta tell you, it's late at night. There's a whole bunch of us. Okay, it's late at night and everybody wants to get out of this vehicle that they've been in now for, you know, I think 14, 15 days at this point we've been in that vehicle (laughs) and they're ready to get out and uh, a lot of tension. Any of y'all ever been there? And so I'm I'm just like, y'all just shut up. We're getting to this hotel. I have made the rooms. We are getting there. Y'all be quiet. So here we are and we're driving and it's telling us and it keeps telling, it keeps giving us these turns and you, you are bright enough to look around and think this really doesn't look like where a hotel might be, but you know, and then I say, so everybody's, I'm getting a lot of lip from the people behind me and then we have a car behind me and they're all texting me and calling and saying, I don't think we're going the right way. And I keep telling them we are going the right way. This app is saying to turn here and they're like, mom, it doesn't look like there's going to be a hotel where you have just taken us and I'm like just trust me I'm following the app and we do turn down this road it's I think it was it a gravel road (laughs) It, it was rough and it turns out that the app had it had led us astray and we weren't at the right place huh oh I had thank you son yeah but I was following I was following something that took me the wrong way and you know, it didn't just take me, it took this whole army of people with, because I was leading them and it took us all the wrong way. And we're sitting in the middle of this terrible place, far from home, tired, hungry, angry. <laughs> and there we are. But we got there because we followed something we thought was true. I thought was true. And I was just blindly following it and it led me astray. Now I did that. And I bet some of you've done something very similar. Without question, I'm following this thing. In fact, other people are questioning it. And I'm like, no, it's right. Y'all be quiet. And, and, we, and we, did we ever get where we were going that night? We finally did. We did. But the point of this is obedience to God just means we follow him with the same kind of surety that we follow the Waze app or the Maps app. The commitment we have, but the difference is his, his is not going to lead me to this abandoned <laughs> warehouse <laughs> with the shadow. Yeah, he, he's going to lead us in the way we should go. And so I want you to think about obedience, not as something that's keeping you from good. I want you to think about obedience. Anytime you read the word obey or obedience, I want you to think about this. God is leading me to life. That's what it is. When I see obey, I see obedience. When I see a command from God, what I need to think, what you need to think, we need to renew our minds to think about it like this. God is leading me to life.
And so this is one of those little voice commands that comes up and says, you know, um, in, in a half a mile turn right. In the same way, oh, that's taken me where I want to go. When I read something in the scripture or I hear something by the Holy Spirit that aligns with the scripture, I should think, oh, God's taking me to where I want to go because I want to go towards life. I want to go towards peace and health, wholeness, soundness. I want to go towards joy. I want to go towards health in my body and provision in my life. I want to go towards life. And whenever God speaks to me through his word or by his spirit, he is leading me to life. That's what he's doing. And so I'm an idiot. If I hear a command from God or I see something in the scripture and I say to myself, I don't want to do that. Then I'm just being a fool. I'm being a fool if I think, well, I know better than that. Because he is the author of life. And he knows the way to life. And the Bible tells us that there is a way that seems right to man. But the end of that way is destruction. It's death. So that idea of like, no, I know a better way to get there. So I'm going to do it my way. That self-will that we all have within us. Is taking us to death, not to life. And so when his command, his leading, his word tells us to go a different way than where we want to go, we are fools if we don't abandon the way we want to go and go his way because he's leading us to life. Now you need to understand that. That's the deal. And you know, you need to help your family and your kids understand that. That this is not about you getting your way or somebody having fun or somebody being cool. It's not about that at all. It's about life. And we want life. In fact, God says to us, you can have life if you'll choose life. But choosing life means loving him. Choosing life means obeying him. Choosing life means living a life committed to him. Why? Because that's what takes you to life. And choosing life isn't something you just do in a moment and then it's done. You choose life every day. You're choosing life with every step you take. And if you can live a long life, you can live a well life. You can live a life full of goodness. The Bible even says you can experience days of heaven on the earth but only if you choose life only if you love him obey him and live committed to him that's life or you can experience death destruction calamity strife weakness fear sickness you name it anything that comes from the curse that can be your life. And sadly, that is what most people experience, even God's people. Because they haven't learned that the way to life is obedience and living committed to him. That's it. All right, let's keep going here. I want to keep reading and um, hmm, we'll just keep going to, ver- we'll just go on down to verse four. And it says this listen O Israel the Lord is our God the Lord alone 
And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. (laughs) That's not a very uh, big demand. (laughs) What? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. You know, these word, this word, this, this verse here is really, these are the most important words in the whole Jewish faith. These words, this is their, their mantra. This is the highest. These are the words they repeat to each other. These are the words that they, that they revere and try to honor and keep more than any other words. In fact, not only are they to the people, the Jewish faith, but I'll just remind you, Jesus was a Jew. These were to Jesus, the most important words in scripture and to his followers who also were all Jews. They had been reared on these words, loving the Lord, your God with all your heart, all your soul and all your strength. This was, this is life to them. This is what they knew. And my question is, if I'm going to love the Lord, my God, with all my heart, all my soul, all my strength, how do I do that? Well, Jesus himself told us how. He told us in John chapter 14, he said, if you love me, obey me. So it's obedience. It goes back to the same thing over again. It's obedience. Now, let's keep reading because this is what we're going to talk about. Verse 6, and you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I'm giving you today. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you're at home and when you're on the road and when you go to bed and when you're getting up. Tie them to your hands and wear them on your forehead as reminders. Write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. You want to know how to live? These are words for life right here. This is how we live. This is, this is really the description of how we are to live. Not about what we're supposed to do when we're at church. And so many people have the mistaken idea of thinking that this right here that we're doing, this is what we do in our relationship with God. And this is our service to God. And this is what it means to be a Christian. You show up at a place like this. You endure this, you know. For 20 minutes, if you're lucky and you're in a church where they're trying to get out in an hour, or if you got me, you know, who knows how long you might have to endure it. But if you can endure to the end, you'll be saved. (laughs) So here you are. And so this is what a lot of people think it means to be a Christian. You just show up here every once in a while and you're a Christian, right? I'm a good person. I've never killed anybody. I go to church every once in a while. Y'all, that's a lie and a deception. This is what life is about. This is what it means really to be a follower of of Jesus in our day and their day to be a follower of the Lord. Is you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to what he's commanded us to do. And then not just commit yourself, but fill your home with his words and repeat them and write them and put them on your doorpost and put them on your gates Surround your life, yourself, your senses, put everything in your life, you know, arrange it around God's words and his commands. That's, that's it. It's how you live. It's how your family functions. And, and y'all have to tell you, we pastored almost 25 years and I can just be really brutally honest with you and tell you hardly anybody does this. Hardly anyone does this. And, you know, I'd like to pretend that we're all doing this and we're doing it great. And it's just awesome. Praise the Lord. But it would be a com- just a t- complete lie if we pretended that. Because even us, we don't really do this. 
And, and this is, was interesting to me. Part of our disciple-making training is we challenge people to have spiritual conversations. And so people have been doing really well. We set goals and we're, we're doing that. But then I find out that most of the spiritual conversations that people are having are actually spiritual conversations like with their spouse or with their kids at home, like with other believers. And I'm thinking, we're not actually counting those as spiritual conversations. That's not like a spiritual conversation that we're encouraging you to have because weren't you already doing that? I mean, I'm thinking, do you, if I counted the spiritual conversations I have with Matt, how many would I have in a week? If I counted the spiritual conversations I have with Katerina, my, my daughter-in-law, how many would we have? That's just about every conversation we have. But then it dawned on me, that's not true for a lot of people. I found out a lot of people aren't ever having spiritual conversations with their spouses. I'll never forget when I talked to a couple who had been married 19 years. They'd been in a spirit-filled church for 19 years. I talked with him. Separately, I talked to her. Neither one of them had any idea if the other one was baptized in the Holy Spirit. And I'm like, what the heck are y'all doing? Sorry for screaming. It just really got me riled up. This is life. You know, if you come every Sunday and endure till the end, you spend less than 10 hours a month in in church. And if this is what it means to you to have faith in God, because this doesn't matter nearly as much as what you're doing at home. That should be your sanctuary with the Lord and with each other. Notice all these instructions that he gives us here. He says, repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you're at home, when you're on the road, when you're going to bed, when you're getting up. Tie them and wear them on your forehead and on your hands and put them on the door post of your house. None of that has anything to do with a church gathering. None of it. It's all about what you do in your own life when you're not here. When you're out there living your life. That it's what you do there that matters. This really doesn't matter that much in comparison to that out there. This is to support, to help, to coach, to encourage, to exhort you to do this out there. But that's where you're doing it. This isn't where you're doing it. Okay. <laughs> repeat them. Verse 7 says again and again, again and again. Because it's what you repeat that gets in you. It's what you repeat in your home that gets in you. Um, is, is the mic on? Is the mic on? It's on. Okay. Our son Harry is in Thailand. He lives in Thailand. He and his wife, missionaries there. Harry is a really big Vikings fan. Minnesota Vikings, which is a sad life. It's a sad life to be a Minnesota Vikings fan. I've discovered that. But why is Harry in Thailand where they don't play American football, have nothing to do with it? Why does he get up early in the morning to try to catch a part of a game? You know why? Because he grew up in a house where the father was from Minnesota and he was a Vikings fan as a kid. And he, in our house, repeated during football season how were the Vikings doing 
did they score which you know was rare did they (laughs) who are they playing what chances do they have for the playoffs usually not very much um are they going to make it to the super bowl never um (laughs) this was the kind of but what it was what was repeated and so now harry is far away on his own on the other side of the world and has to make great effort to engage with his team but he's a big vikings fan why because we took him every week and had someone stand up and lecture him about the vikings no because it was what he heard repeated and repeated and repeated and repeated and what is repeated in your home is what gets in everybody in your home and so if you're not repeating the commands of the lord and you're not repeating his words and you're not having spiritual conversations and talking about the things of god it ain't getting in nobody and we can all you know think it is but it's not and honestly if you really want to find out what's in everybody if you would just you know maybe use your handheld phone you know that recording device just turn on the mic and record your family time together and listen back to it and what you're talking about is what is getting in everybody and it's really what your life is but he said to talk about his commands spiritual concepts the word of god and to repeat it over and over. In fact, just wherever you go, whatever you're doing. And in our lives, it would be when you're in the car, when you're at the house, you got to turn off the TV. You got to talk about the things of God. And, and notice he didn't say just a lecture. And that's what we tend to do. You, oftentimes the response to a message like this is somebody kind of gets all gussied up and they leave and they go home and they say to their husband or their wife, well, you know what we're going to do? We're going to get those kids straight and we're going to lay down the law and we're going to get them up in the morning and we're going to read Bible verses to them and we're going to have at it. And that is not at all what I'm saying. This is what people think. That is not at all what I'm talking about. I'm talking about when you are conversing with one another. What is, what are you centered on? What are you paying attention to? And and none of it works if you don't do what it says at the beginning. Go back up to, uh, guys, go back up to verse 6. If you could put that up. It all starts with verse 6. You must commit yourselves. You must commit yourselves wholeheartedly. And, and, and one reason a lot of people's families never follow God, even though they may be brought to church all the time, is because the parents are not wholeheartedly committed. You see? I think the reason Harry follows the Vikings is because his dad was wholeheartedly committed. His dad never sat Grayson and Harry down and said, Sons, We've been Vikings fans in our family for many generations. And sons, you got to be Vikings fans. Did he ever do that with you? Never. But he was wholeheartedly committed. Think about it. I'm looking at Coleman. Coleman, think about it. Carter, y'all think about it. How did, how did y'all become Georgia fans? Did your dad sit you down? Did he give you a big lecture? did you wake up every morning and sing the alma mater the fight song is that what you did you bark 
dear God. That's life. <laughs> that is, man. I'm just telling you, think about it. Think about how things get into you, how things are transferred. It's what you value, what's important to you, what you emphasize. And if it's valuable and it's important to you, you talk about it. And if you don't ever talk about it, you really don't care much about it. And if when you talk about it, you're talking about it because you're supposed to be talking about it, that's communicated too. Then it's a duty and it has nothing to do with real life. But by the same token, Harry's in Thailand. As a missionary. Harry, who, who graduated really high in his class with almost a 4.0, except for that PE class where he told the truth and didn't get his, all his hours in. And Anyway. <laughs> and he could be making a whole lot of money here doing something else. But he had in his heart I got to follow God and I got to be obedient to him. Even if it means I got to move to the other side of the world away from the people I love the most. How do you think he came to that? Do you think he came to that because he sat somewhere and we lectured him? Harry's son. (laughs) I think it's because he sat and he heard and we talked about that there's more than 2 billion people in the world and they've never heard of Jesus. One third of the world has never even heard of him. And here he's thinking, well, I can tell him. How do you think it happens? It's because somebody's repeating and repeating. And when you're driving in the car... And when you're sitting and your heart is towards God, that's what comes out of your mouth. And this is our life. So it starts with us, man. What are we going to do? Now, um, one of the things we mentioned was about um, going, Grayson was talking about going in the jail and doing Discovery Bible studies. And uh, Discovery Bible Studies are just a tool that we've learned recently, we've, we, in the last several years recently, I mean like in the last five years, a tool that we've come across, a lot of people use, and it's a tool just to just, just discover truth in the scripture. And it makes Bible study more interesting than someone lecturing you. Lecturing you. you know, it's a lot more interesting than coming here and enduring this, because you can actually read the Bible yourself and see what God is saying because that's actually the plan is that everybody would read their Bible and that everyone would know the Bible and everyone would be taught from the scripture by the Holy Spirit so that everyone could intimately know God for themselves from the least to the greatest so you don't have to have me you can just have your Bible and you and the Holy Spirit and you can you can know God for yourself now, um, Terry, Terry and her family have recently been doing um, discovery studies in their home, and I asked her to share how this has been impacting them. I'm going to try. 
it has certainly made all the difference in the world for us. And um, not that we do it perfectly, but anyway, we jumped in and um, the word, it's what brings strength. It's what brings peace in your home. It's what brings transformation. And Taryn specifically said that it it just changed the perspective for her. She saw things differently. Um, And it just, it settles some things. And um, when you're going through whatever we go through, um, and especially during crisis, or when you don't know what to do, you lose your footing. You've got to go to the Word. That's going to be the thing that brings answers, that calms your fears, and and just it just makes things clearer. <laughs> and if you're if you're wanting like myself, I had always wanted you know peace in my home. I want us to get along. I want us to be in one accord, and um, you know just love God together, serve God together. But I can't make that happen for them, you know. And I can't, you know, my love for God can only get into them by his word. Not my love, sorry. But (laughs) I've seen it for myself in the word, but I can't make it happen for them. You know what I'm saying? So we had to dig in. And um, I tell you, it has made all the difference and um, it's brought that intimacy in our life. Um, we're praying out things. I've heard Taryn pray things I've never, you know, heard before. That, and we've just been seeing the fruit of it. And um, and you know, I started out very, you know, uncertain that it would even work, <laughs> and that we, you know, I even told them I was like, y'all, I don't want to make anything happen. But God just works with you, and if you would just open his word, it is life, and it will bring life into your family. And, um, you know, our big thing is we want Taryn to be able to um, have a good foundation when she's not with us. You know, we're not going to be there her whole life, obviously, and uh, we want her to to be able to know what's right from wrong from the word, from God himself, not because mom and dad said it. And she can't live off of our um, our relationship with God. She has to have it for herself. So um, just, it's just been, it's been the thing that has turned, turned everything for us. And, and I'm the children's ministry director here and we we didn't have you know regular family Bible studies together, and um, it's just it's just been it started with me back in the summer. I had to uh, get in the Word for myself, and and then it has overflowed to my family. And um, I would encourage everyone to do this. And if you don't have a family, get some faith friends and, and get in the Word. That was good. Thank you. Um, does everyone have a bulletin? If you don't have a bulletin, raise your hand. I think we did that earlier in the service, but if you have a bulletin, get it out. I want to show you what we're doing. We're going to help you. 
with this. We're starting something here, something new today. Good news. And we're calling it Family Bible Time. Isn't that just a really cool title? Family Bible Time. Sounds like something, sounds like 1952. (laughs) And you'll see it if you look, if you open your bulletin like this, it's in the right hand side right here. It says Family Bible Time. I want you to look at that. And Family Bible Time is just this we are inviting everyone to do this in your home. It's just helping you to do what we just read, to do this in your home. Now, if you live alone, and I know several of you do, um, find some friends. Or you may have adult children. I have adult children. Um, you may invite your adult children. Maybe you could gather. You could even gather over, um, you know, FaceTime. Um, but you could gather and do this. Um, if, you, if your adult children don't want to do it with you or you don't have adult children, you just have other friends, get some friends. Get a sister, brother, get some of your relatives that live in another place. Find somebody. And if you have kids, do it with them. And do this. This is basically the Discovery Bible Study. And this week we're going to do the passage where Jesus calls, calms the wind and the waves. And this can take, you know, 20 minutes. It can take an hour and a half, depending on what you do and how what you do with it. But this is a way for you to start studying the scripture with your family and start doing what we just read, which we just read that the Lord commanded us to do. And if the Lord commanded us to do it, it leads to what? Life. If the Lord told us to do it, what did he have in mind? Life. And so I think we should do it. So this is the, the, the passage from Mark 4 where Jesus calms the wind and the wave. And what you do is just very simple. You just start out, the first part of it, you just start out by checking in with one another. And this is a good way for you to just start talking amongst yourselves in a meaningful way instead of just trading that hallway information that Matt talked about last week. Remember? Just ask each other these questions. What are you thankful for? Like, what are you thankful for today? What's happened this week that you're thankful for? And what are you stressed about or struggling with? And then, is there anything that we can do to help you? If you're struggling with something, maybe the people that should first and foremost try to help you is the people that love you the most. And let's love each other and serve one another. So that's where you start. And then you get into the Bible reading And that's when you read the passage. You just read it out loud and you read it out loud together. And usually you do it like if I was doing it with Carol and Eddie. Maybe um, Eddie would read it first and then Carol would read it at first and we'd all follow along in our Bibles. And then after we read it, then we would put it away and then try to retell it, each of us. So Eddie go first because we'd make him. And uh, he'd start and he'd try to tell the story and he's going to mess up. And so Carol and I would jump in and try to help him. And then Carol would tell it, and then she'd probably do better than him because now we're, you know, she's heard it a couple times. And Carol's a lot smarter than Eddie, and so she would be able to tell it a lot better. (laughs) And then um, after that, then I would tell it, and then they would help me. And so we all three would tell it in our own words. So we do that because now we're like learning it and telling it to each other. It's all about how we learn, repeating. And Kate's a teacher up here. This is a good way to learn, right? Yeah, she's, she's a real teacher, so she knows. Okay, and then you, um, you ask each other 
some questions. You'd start a discussion. You'd give each of us opportunity to discuss it. And the first question you say is, what does this passage teach us about God? And, and uh, we keep it to this passage because we don't want you lecturing us <laughs> about all the stuff you know. You know, because there's always the spiritual guru in the, in the crowd that wants to tell everybody everything they know and show off all their biblical knowledge. We're not trying to do that. We're just trying to find out what the Bible says. And really, this is great with your kids because it puts everybody on equal footing. Because maybe your kids don't know as many verses as you and they hadn't heard all the sermons you have. And so now they are, they're on the same footing with you. And what I have found is when you do it with younger people, they're so much better at doing this than doing it than the older people. I'm, I'm just, I've just seen that. So we just say, what does this passage teach us about God? So you read it and you say, well, I see this about God and I see this about him and this, this means that. And we limit it to this passage. And then we go and so we all answer and we feel we've satisfactorily, satisfactory, you know, we're satisfied. (laughs) We're all satisfied that we've milked it for all we can. Then we go and say, what does this teach us about people? And so then we see things about people and we talk about that. What do we see about people? And one of the things, I'm going to give y'all a little head start. It, when it comes to the wind and the wave and the story of Jesus calming the wind and the wave, people get scared. So you can write that down. Use it, Carter, when you're doing it. If you don't know, Stephanie's just really getting pneumonia. You just say, I got one. People get scared. That's a big one. See, it's just that simple. People get scared. And people act irrationally when they get scared. Oh, I gave you two. I better stop. (laughs) That's what it teaches us about people. And then here's where it really gets interesting because it's not just about learning more knowledge or discussing the word because what is it that leads to life? Obedience. Obedience. Loving God, which Jesus said, if you love me, you'll keep my commands. And then he says obedience and living committed to him. Obedience leads to life. And so we need to obey it. So here's the question we're going to discuss. We're going to all go around and we're going to say, what is it that we're going to do in response to this? What, what do we feel like God is saying to us? And it may be something that all of you agree together. He's saying the same thing to all of us and we're all going to do it. We're all going to obey together. Or Eddie may say, you know, I've had this situation of something that's going on. And I really feel God's saying this to me. I've been afraid and and blah, blah, and this is what I'm going to do. And it needs to be something measurable. It doesn't just need to be, you know, Eddie's going to try to say, well, um, I'm going to love people this week. But if Eddie says that, then Carol's going to look at him and say, no, that's, that's great. You need to love people, but that's not what we're doing. We need something that we can tell when we get together next week to do another one of these, if you did it or not. So it needs to be something we can measure something that we is specific and so we're going to do that and so all of you do it and then you write that down why do you write it down well duh so you'll remember and you also write it down so next week when you get together you can whip it out like Grayson did with these guys at the jail and say hey did we do it and some of you aren't going to do it and that's okay because God is a God of mercy but the intention is we're going to obey And not only that, in the meanwhile, between now and next week, when we get together, we're going to remind each other or talk about how are we doing. For example, I recently did a discovery study and um, my obedience statement was there was a situation in my life where I was giving it too much attention and I was talking about it too much. 
And I was really convicted as we were doing the study. And my, my obedient statement was, I am not going to talk about this situation again. That was my obedient statement. So then the next day, I was presented with this really awesome opportunity to talk about it. It was so good. I mean, it was like a primo opportunity that I could just get in there and just really tear into it and just discuss it at length. It was awesome. But I couldn't. And so the people I had done the discovery with, the discovery study with, they weren't there. And so I texted them, kind of almost like a support, like, y'all, pray for me. Um, And I said, y'all, I have this really awesome opportunity to violate what I said I was going to do to obey because I'm going to talk about it. And I'm not going to talk about it. And I was able to share with them that, hey, this is what's going on. So they could be there for me. We could support each other. You see what I'm saying? That's a statement. And then finally, who are we going to share this with? Who are we going to share this passage with? Who are we going to share the truths that we found in this passage? Who are we going to share that with? Because, you know, everything that God gives to us is meant to go through us to the next person. Everything is meant to be shared. So this is just the discipline for us to start sharing. And it also helps us to create this environment in our lives where we share God's word wherever we go. So this is what we're doing. So that's why I want you to have this. So you can stick it in your Bible so you could do it. Some of you are going to have to call people that live in other places and do it. And some of you can do it with the people that live with you. And some of you might need some wisdom from God about who to do it with. You can do it with some other church members here. If you, if you don't have somebody to do it with in your home, look around. And we're going to do that. We're going to have family Bible time. Because we're choosing life. Because we're going to live. And we're going to live the life God's given us to live. We're going to be obedient to him and we're going to be wholeheartedly committed to him because we are God's people. He is our God. He has given us Jesus. He's given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. And it's just reasonable that we be obedient to him. Amen. Grace and you in close service.